listening to Faith and Capital. And if you want to support the show, you can do so at patreon.com. But if you don't want to contribute a dollar or two, you can always leave an iTunes or Spotify rating or review. And the best thing you can do, which I and my co-host Chris super appreciate, is just share the podcast with a friend. Uh, send them a link of, uh, of a interview or a episode that you really enjoy. And that means the world to us. Really appreciate it because we want this content to reach more and more ears and to really develop um, amongst Christians here, especially here in the imperial core, to really develop a sense of uh, this necessity of organizing, this moving away, moving off online, uh, Instagram tweeting politics, moving away from individualism, really getting into mass organizing, uh, mass struggle, mass activity. And part of that also... uh, Reminds me of, I started a new podcast called Mass Struggle. You can find that link in the show notes or just look up your you know Mass Struggle wherever you listen to podcasts. And that's going to be on revolutionary communist theory. So if you're interested in learning about what's communism, well, th- those are going to be some deep dives into communist theory, some of the basics. And then eventually I'm going to do a lot of work on mass work, organizing the mass line, mass theory, all that stuff. Cool. Okay, but uh, actually what I wanted to do today was do a follow-up to my recent interview with Matt and Dean from the Magnificast um, about the new book by the Christians for National Liberation, who are Maoist revolutionary Christians in the Philippines, uh, called, they, they put out a book called A Commentary on the Compendium of the Social Doctrine of the Church, and this book is so amazing that I probably, I can't stop talking about it. <laughs> And while this book is on the Catholic social teaching, so again, these are mostly Catholics in the Philippines, um, and and they're communists, and they're engaging the compendium, which is a collection of the, which makes up for the Catholic social doctrine, basically. Um, Even though, you know, I myself, I'm not Catholic, and, and you listening, you may or may not be Catholic, this book engages ideas that are very, very popular among more liberal and progressive Christian communities uh, in terms of questions around poverty and private property and common good and and war and such. So I really do, I want to stress that this is not just for Catholics, although uh, if you are Roman Catholic, this would be a very, very interesting and fascinating book to, uh, to pick up. But this is for any Christian, especially any Christian living in the imperial core, uh, particularly the United States. And yeah, so the book talks about poverty and inequality, the common good, the contradiction between capital and labor. Matt and Dean took the chapters on poverty and capital and labor. Uh, There's a a section on monopoly capitalist globalization, which is another way of talking about imperialism. And then I took the, the chapter on terrorism, war, violence, and world peace. And there's uh, two more chapters, actually, that follow that, that talk about the environment, uh, how to safeguard the environment. And, uh, again, a phenomenal book. But what I'm going to do today is actually just read a short little clip on just and unjust violence. It's a very important conversation to be having amongst Christian circles. And particularly here in the United States, historically, white communities have always sided with what they have called as nonviolence, right? Nonviolence, nonviolence, pacifism, pacifism. And they understand that to be the most just response no matter what. There's no such thing as just war for traditional, mostly white, uh, liberal communities. But it's not just white Christians that have uh, tended to support 
you know, this pacifist and nonviolent ethic, uh, no matter what the context, no matter what the situation. And so, yeah, I think I think this is a section that we all have uh, a lot to learn from. And the most important part here is just this distinction between just and unjust war. And so if you're looking for a dialogue partner to ask and, and wrestle with questions, you know, perhaps you, you've traditionally been on the side of, no, there's never a situation where exploited and oppressed peoples should take up weapons and defend themselves, let alone struggle for their freedom and liberation. Um uh, with arms, you know, there's no such thing as just violence or revolutionary violence. You know, all violence is the same. If you've traditionally had that perspective, you know, this might be a really helpful text to engage with because these are Christians and they come down on a different side. So without me saying anything else, I guess I'll go ahead and I'm going to start reading this section. It starts off with a, a little like summarization and um, I'm only going to read just a part of this section, just a few pages. So with that said, um, uh, here we go. The five strict conditions set by the church legitimize the use of violence by the toiling masses against the unjust violence of imperialism in reactionary states and reasonably justify the armed struggle in the people's war against the unjust wars of the imperialists in fascist states for national liberation from exploitation, oppression, and enslavement towards people's democracy and socialism. In chapter 8, which is about the political community, the compendium clearly declares that unjust laws become acts of violence. Citing St. Thomas Aquinas' Summa Theologia 1265-1273, the compendium asserts, quote, authority must enact laws, that is, laws that correspond to the dignity of the human person and to what is required by right reason. Quote, human law is law insofar as it corresponds to right reason and therefore is derived from the eternal law. When, however, a law is contrary to reason, it is called an unjust law. In such a case, it ceases to be law it becomes instead an act of violence, end quote. If we have to apply the above quotation in the economic field, the widespread poverty of the toiling masses of workers and peasants and the enormous inequalities between the rich and poor peoples and nations are created by the unjust laws and system of exploitative and oppressive monopoly capitalists who get huge super profits from the surplus value of labor and only a meager of it goes to the toiling masses. Thus, the global poverty and inequalities are the result of unjust laws and become economic acts of violence of the monopoly capitalists against billions of the toiling masses of workers and peasants. Also, the world hegemony of imperialism, the imperialist wars of aggression, and military interventions against the helpless nations, and the economic and trade embargo, as well as the financial sanctions imposed by the U.S. imperialist government against socialist states such as Cuba, DPRK, and the like, are all acts of violence. In particular, the economic and political control and the military interventions of U.S. imperialism in the Philippines 
In the bourgeois feudal and fascist rule of the big landlords, the big comprador bourgeoisie, in the big bureaucrat capitalists, in the dictates of their U.S. imperialist masters, who have maintained the whole country as a semi-colonial and semi-feudal society, are all acts of violence against the sovereign, democratic, and human rights of the Filipino people. Nonetheless, there is a great need to clarify the Church's concept of violence. The compendium in chapter 11 concerning the promotion of peace presents the need of, quote, the witness of unarmed prophets, end quote, as it asserts that, quote, violence is never a proper response, end quote. Quoting Catechism of the Catholic Church, number 2306, Pope Paul VI Apostolic Exhortation Evangelii Nuntiandi, November 12th, 1976. Pope John Paul II's Address at Drogheda, Ireland, uh, September 29th, 1979. And his Address to the Pontifical Academy of Sciences, November 12th, 1983. The Compendium asserts, quote, Violence is never a proper response. With the conviction of her faith in Christ and with the awareness of her mission, the church proclaims, quote, that violence is evil, that violence is unacceptable as a solution to problems, that violence is unworthy of man. Violence is a lie, for it goes against the truth of our faith, the truth of our humanity. Violence destroys what it claims to defend, the dignity, the life, the freedom of human beings, end quote. The contemporary world, too, needs to the witness of unarmed prophets who are often the objects of ridicule. Quote, those who renounce violence and bloodshed and, in order to safeguard human rights, make use of those means of defense available to the weakest, bear witness to evangelical charity, provided they do so without harming the rights and obligations of other men and societies. They bear legitimate witness to the gravity of the physical and moral risk of recourse to violence with all its destruction and death, end quote. That was in the compendium. Back to the CNL. The above quotation shows the ambivalence of the Catholic Church as regards the reality of violence. This kind of ambivalence can lead to pacifism, which condones the unjust violence of exploiters and oppressors who victimize the toiling masses. It is a disrespect to the exploited and oppressed masses who ought to use just violence to defend themselves from the violent attacks of exploiters and oppressors. On this basis, CNL is entreating that Christian churches ought to make a clear distinction between the unjust violence, economic, political, cultural, and physical, of oppressors and exploiters against the toiling masses and the just violence of the oppressed and exploited, who, through natural law and right reason, as St. Thomas has put it, have all the right to resist oppression and exploitation in order to defend and liberate themselves. Such distinction can truly lead the Christian churches to assert that the violence of exploiters and oppressors is immoral and unjust, and the violence of the exploited and oppressed in order to struggle against exploitation and oppression is morally warranted and just. 
With this kind of clear distinction, Christianity and Marxism, or scientific socialism, can complement, though in terms of beliefs may not necessarily be compatible with each other, to eliminate unjust violence for truth, justice, and freedom to reign in people's societies. This distinction of unjust, unjust violence should also apply to unjust war, unjust war, as already expounded on above, meaning the wars of the imperialists against weaker nations are unjust and reactionary, while the wars of the exploited and oppressed classes and nations against imperialism in all kinds of reactions are just and revolutionary. For CNL and other revolutionaries in the Philippines, the two kinds of violence and war are clear enough. The violence and fascism, or war of the exploiters and oppressors, i.e., the big landlords, the big comprador bourgeoisie, the big bureaucrat capitalists and their U.S. imperialist masters, against the Filipino people is unjust and reactionary. The exploitative and oppressive classes make use of state fascism to continue their reactionary violence in order to maintain Philippine society as semi-colonial and semi-feudal and heighten their exploitation, oppression, and enslavement of the people, especially the workers, peasants, fisherfolk, national minorities, urban poor, the women, and the youth. On the other hand, the people's violence through armed struggle, is just and revolutionary for radical change in order to establish the people's revolutionary government, work for a comprehensive agrarian reform, and nationalization of industries as basic conditions to establish socialist structures in the economic, political, and cultural fields. And such shall serve as concrete foundations of a sovereign, democratic, and socialist state which shall have foreign relations with other countries that respect the sovereignty of the Filipino people, as they shall aspire for mutual benefits and peaceful coexistence with other nations. End quote. All right, so it goes on. There's uh, This is a, an excellent chapter. It's much broader. It's actually um, a lot on war and terrorism and peace. And I thought that section really was very clear on, on the need to differentiate between just and unjust violence, just and unjust war, because liberalism um, tells us that exploited and oppressed peoples, no matter how exploited and oppressed they are, and I'm specifically thinking of exploited classes and colonized nations, have no right to use violence to end their suffering, their violations. And, you know, we could talk all day about, I don't know, trying to pressure ruling bourgeoisies, trying to pressure landlords to, to give up their land, trying to pressure uh, imperialist nations to hand over all of the natural resources of entire regions of the world, most importantly, the labor power of entire nations. But this is simply an idealist and an ahistorical dream. You know, communists are not the utopians. Liberal nonviolence and liberal pacifism, this is, the, this is the utopian means of transforming the world. S slaves were never free with nonviolence. 
peasants joined with the bourgeoisies to over and the workers to overthrow the monarchs and the princes and lords with revolutionary violence. Uh, but now that the bourgeoisie is in power, now you know they're constantly telling us workers. Now hold on, now hey we're 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 equals now. Everyone has democracy, so don't go. Don't go, you know, talking about revolutionary violence anymore. We have our freedom from the monarchs. We have our freedom from our exploiters and oppressors. We're all equals now. But that's that's not true. We all know that. We all know that the that the working class is not equal to uh, a ruling capitalist class. That colonized subjects are not free from colonialism, indigenous people, black people, and uh, Latin and Asian folk here in the United States, okay? Colonialism persists across the world, and it persists within U.S. borders. And colonized subjects, colonized lands and bodies, have never been free from colonizing nations without revolutionary struggle, okay? And nor have workers ever established a new people's democracy, a social, a proletarian democracy, socialism. Uh, workers have never freed themselves from bourgeois exploitation and rule, nor have they ever seized actual political power over their own state without revolutionary struggle. And so I thought that this little short little excerpt, it was like you know, three pages of a 500-page book on just and unjust war, just and unjust violence is a necessary intervention into the conversation around just and unjust violence um, and perhaps even the necessity of revolutionary struggle here in the U.S. and across the world. And to be clear, you know, revolutionary violence, right, just violence uh, is not the first option that exploited and oppressed nations and classes go to. We, there's just a history of, of endlessly trying nonviolently to end their exploitation and their oppression. But when nonviolent means tactic strategy, you know, when all those measures are, are spent and tried, and yet the ruling exploiters and the dominant oppressors still continue to commit acts of violence, both direct and structural, when they continue to end their exploitation, end their subordination, end the colonization, then working people, colonized people, oppressed people um, should consider, you know, what are we going to have to do to end our subordination? What are we going to have to do to stop the true violence, the unjust violence, the reactionary violence? And to be clear, you know, I'm not advocating for anything tonight. I'm just reading a book, uh, very interesting, about these Christians um, in the Philippines. And so, yeah, I guess I'll leave it there. Hope you pick up this book, A Commentary on the Compendium of the Social Doctrine of the Church by the Christians for National Liberation. They are part of a protracted people's war. These are revolutionary Christians, revolutionary Maoists in particular, Marxist-Leninist Maoists. And... They're in the National Democratic Front of the Philippines. Um, the National Democratic Front is basically the, uh, you know, the, the mass arm of the people. Uh, a lot of the masses are joining the ranks of the New People's Army, but the bulk of the mass participation as of today is presently in and continually expanding within this National Democratic Front that is led by the uh, Communist Party of the Philippines. 
So uh, these are mass organizations, religious organizations, uh, cultural organizations, community organizations, labor organizations, all of it. And they participate in this front collectively and they put on serious uh, strikes and protests and actions. Um, and they are they're growing in their strength, their struggle there. And so all the solidarity, all the support to them. And I think we have a lot to learn from these Christians and these revolutionary communists. So thanks for listening. Check out the book, A Commentary on the Compendium of the Social Doctrine of the Church by the Christians for National Liberation. Link is in the show notes. And as always, um, solidarity. <laughs>